Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today is the day we've been working towards for a whole year. It's our big Top 10 Movies of 2019 episode. It's time for a Top 10 Turf War. Right after the, the shows, we get into movies. And we have been around the clock watching flicks to tell you what we believe are our top 10 movies. And this is perfect timing because, as always, for most of you listening in, the Oscars will have happened yesterday. That's right. Most of you guys are listening during the work week, but we released this on Sunday. But everybody's getting ready for the Oscars. They're not really like going, hey, there's a more than movies episode we should listen to right now. Uh, no, that's that's not what's happening. Uh, we are going to take you through our top 10. It's a top 10 turf war, as you know. And then we're going to try and whittle it down to our specialized list of top Yeah, 10. the definitive top 10 films of 2019, according to More Than Movies podcast. That's right. And now there are a couple of films on here that I didn't get to that could maybe influence and get into that top 10. And that was uh, the horror film Ready or Not. I never made it to that Definitely, one. Definitely, it would not have made your top 10. Although it's a great movie and you should totally watch it. And then the last one is Pain and Glory, which is an Antonio Banderas Spanish film. So I just wanted to say I hadn't seen these before we go into this. What about you? Anything on your list you didn't make it to that you think, oh, it, maybe it could have had some some bearing on my top 10. Yeah, so Skin, which from the posters and the description kind of reminded me of American History X, which I really loved when I was little. So maybe that could get into the top 10. Pain and Glory is on mine as well. I haven't actually seen that one. Um, Dolomite is my name. I've also heard amazing things about, but I haven't seen yet. And same with Queen and Slim, those are the ones that I didn't get to this year that could have maybe made my top 10. I'm going to slide Queen and Slim as well on my list of didn't get to see, but you're right. That could have had a major influence seeing as these are really relevant to the year, I feel. Yeah. Before I start us off this year, I do have an announcement almost. Oh my gosh. I was... Reviewing my top 10 list and like making sure are my top 10 my actual top 10. And I think for the first year ever, this is like the least awardsy or like rep, like reputable top 10 I have ever put together. I think this is the first year mine is more awardsy than ever before. So we might run into the same problem with our top 10 movies that our top 10 shows have and we only have one or two in common yeah which is great for you the listener because you have all these extra movies that you need to see i'm gonna start with my number 10 i doubt it's on many people's top 10 lists but i love this movie i had so much fun watching it and that is zombie land double tap yeah it's not on mine it no chance <laughs> It was so much fun. You mentioned you watched the first Zombieland right before watching this one. And you mentioned it was low on your list, not because you didn't enjoy it, but because it was similar or in the same vein as the first one. And that is the exact reason that it's up on my top 10. Uh, it can't surprise you the way that the first version did because it is a sequel. But for a movie that was made 10 years later, I got just as much enjoyment from watching the first Zombieland that I did watching the second Zombieland. And in my opinion, that's what makes it into the top 10. It's one of the most enjoyable movies to watch during the year. And I thought they did an amazing job with a sequel, which is very difficult to do with a comedy sequel. For example, Hangover was like a huge film, similar time frame as Zombieland. And then when the sequel came out, it was so much on the same note as the first one that it was really bad. Like they did it the same way, but like degraded the jokes. Here they found a way to have similar like emotional quells, but like new jokes, new people, new fun. And I thought that they really kept Zombieland, the movie, alive. And I just had a blast watching it. That is fair. Uh, my number 10 is... The only animated film on my list, which might surprise some people, uh, and it is Klaus. 
Did you end up seeing Klaus on Netflix? Mm, I don't think I even heard of Klaus. Okay, so Klaus is uh, the story of a really lazy postman who essentially creates Santa Claus. Oh. It is by far the best animation film of 2019. Uh, It mixes traditional with the new innovations from computers, um, and it looks so damn good. It kind of harkens back to early Disney, but because it's so gussied up with production, it does not feel that way. Voice talents are J.K. Simmons, Jason Schwartzman, Rashida Jones. Joan Cusack is really funny in it. Um, And the music, the story, the humor, it all works so beautifully together. And I have to say, it is the only Christmas movie of the year. Yeah, I'm looking at you last Christmas that deserves to be a Christmas classic right out of the gate. All right. My number nine is a comedy and one that surprised me at how much I liked it. I'll admit, I thought it was going to be a lot more mm, paint by the numbers, but I just loved it. And I think it had the best sex scene of any movie from 2019, and that is Longshot. Uh, Longshot was at number nine up until uh, three weeks ago. So Ah. it is, it's probably one of the best comedies of the entire year. I think so. The best traditional comedy of the entire year by far. If you are not into Seth Rogen, I still think you need to watch this movie. It is so relevant. It's so much fun. It's really surprising. You know, you think it's going to be a rom-com going in, but it's much funnier than a rom-com. Honestly, my one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when they have sex the first time and like neither of them have had sex in a while. And, you know, it's not like movie amazing sex. It's like kind of average or slightly below average. And but both of them are so happy with it. <laughs> like they're both like, ah, yes, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are in a very. Not to say that this is this is not who you are or something, but you have been very heavily championing comedies recently. Yeah, I've always loved comedies, but I don't know. This year, there are a lot of comedic type films on my list. I'm not going to lie to you. Was it just a year you needed to laugh more? Maybe. Like, that could very well be it. Like, this just could be a year where I needed something different and I needed something more lighthearted because I just, I really loved this movie. I thought it was so fun. It was smart too. Like, that's the thing is like, it's not just a comedy. It's, and it's not just a rom-com. It's smart. It has romantic elements and it's funny. And all those things together, I think really elevate it. Uh, The next film is not one that both of us enjoy on my list. Uh, Number nine on my list is one I very much appreciate, and I think it's an excellent film. Uh, the only reason this film is not higher on the list is because I don't really see it as being relevant to 2020. It could be an anything movie. It doesn't have to be. It's not trying to say anything, I feel. Um, so that's why it's not higher on my list. But we have seen a ton of war movies over the past four years. Too many for maybe 50% of the hosts on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but what Mendez does with these long shots in 1917, I feel it invites the viewer to travel on foot behind these men. And and re- Roger Deakins, he delivers a very beautiful uh, film experience. And the, the simple presence, for me at least, never failed to keep me on the edge of my seat. I'm rooting for these people the entire way. Uh, I want them to achieve their goals. And I, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to this film about World War I. Uh, it delivered a very haunting experience. I remember sitting through the, the credits, uh, absorbed with what I had seen. But, uh, you know, that 
1917 is my number nine of of 20 uh 2019 i agree that this movie is stunning like one of the most beautiful movies i've seen this year uh the coloring is like unreal whoever was the colorist for this film I wish there was like a coloring award. Maybe there is that I don't know about, but they you know it might it. be at that like other Oscars that happens that nobody gets a watch on TV. Yeah, the daytime one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's colored just so beautifully. But um, I don't know. I I didn't. It didn't make me feel anything. You know, I I was in awe by the beauty. I enjoyed the shots, but I didn't have any emotional anything while I was watching this movie and it just reminded me how stupid I think war is in general which is never a good thing and uh so yeah it's it's not on my list I mean it's not like at the bottom of my list you have to admit this is a well executed film I don't know the story didn't grab me yep and and for me like the history of war is compelling to see you know the notion of peace is still a fairly new notion in our crazy world the we didn't develop the un until after world war ii we still had the draft up until the 70s so it's it's a prominent place in our in i mean our there are wars happening right now all over wars are happening all over absolutely uh it's it's a very sad thing um it's something that happened. I just don't think that 1917, I like, I don't know what it's really trying to say. I just know that I had an experience while watching it. Fair enough. All right. Number eight on your list. Number eight on my list is, I would say, another comedy. Superbly written. This one is here because the script was just fantastic. And then every element of execution Normally, when you have a film with this many stars in the cast, the film sucks. So I was skeptical. But Knives <laughs> Out, Knives Out. Oh, we can out, talk about it later. Truly delivered. All right. We'll talk about we, it later. We can talk about this a little more when it comes to my placement <laughs> of Knives Out. How about we talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at my number eight spot? Oh, I'm glad that made it to your top ten. It's not too far out of my top ten. But it did not make it for me. All right. So once upon a time in Hollywood, I didn't love it the first time I saw it. I saw it in theaters. I walked out and I was like, huh, okay. But then two weeks went by and I couldn't stop thinking about the movie. It really? It creeping in. And, and it was like a hypnotic thing pulling me back into the film and pulling me back into this really strange 60s world. And so I came in and what you know, what made I you found... keep thinking about it? Because part of why it's not in my top 10 is that I didn't think about it again, except for Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. Uh, both DiCaprio and, and Brad Pitt. I kept on thinking about their performances. I kept on thinking about the scene with DiCaprio sitting with the eight year old girl and oh, having that conversation. Such a good. I don't scene. know why. But it's such an amazing scene. It's and one of the best scenes in the movie. It is a big part of that film. And the way he reacts after delivering that scene is something we don't see about from movies about Hollywood. We don't see like that aftermath of, holy shit, I just did this amazing work. And what we don't see after is the celebration or the reaction of the actor excited about his work again. Because let's face it, DiCaprio's character is kind of going through the motions. But to deliver that on a TV pilot is fantastic. It's yeah. an exciting moment for the character. And um, it's it's a real moment for the char- for a character who's so vapid all the way through, you realize, wow, he really loves his craft. One of the first times in my DiCaprio watching career that I have watched DiCaprio disappear into a role. I've said it on this podcast before. I've always I never believe. Leonardo DiCaprio, and I think this is by far, far and away, his best performance to date, in my in my humble opinion. I, I know a lot of people would say other other. Yeah, films, like I'm a huge this, DiCaprio this is, fan. I think he's shockingly talented actor, but I think his best work, other than his early work, like Basketball Diaries and when he was a kid, because he was amazing at that, like in those early roles. 
anytime he works with Quentin Tarantino, I think he just does amazing. Because it kept pulling me back. And then when I bought it, I've watched it twice since I bought it. So I, I, I kept on wondering, like, what is the reason for this film? Like, I understand, yeah, it's Tarantino's love letter to uh, to old day olden day hollywood but really like this is a story about a guy faced with his own mortality he's aging out of his job he wants to remain relative relevant and he takes control of the narrative so when we parallel parallel that with that manson killing and that revisionist history it works so interestingly where he could have easily been a victim of these crazy killers, but he took matters into his own hands. So did Brad Pitt. And they come out ahead at the end of the film, uh, maybe even for DiCaprio becoming a superstar again in a in a, you know, revisionist history where Polanski is still married to Sharon Tate. That's a very cool thought. I hadn't really thought of it that way. But yeah. I think that is what Tarantino is trying to stay with that film right there. It's a, it's a weird little time capsule. What is your number seven? I'm excited that we have one that is in common so far. It's true. We have one. And and we're only at seven, which is not so bad. All right. My number seven. Uh, I don't know if many people have heard of this film. I think for the most part it was overlooked. But I was just blown away by how much I loved it. And it is Blinded by the Light. Really, really good recommendation from you, by the way. I didn't expect that much from it. I do enjoy the boss and Bruce Springsteen's music, but not that much. But Blake is like, that's his favorite musician of all time. And so he really wanted to see it. I thought the movie looked good, but I was not that excited, you know, for all Bruce Springsteen all the time. But you know what? The movie delivered. It was artful. It was emotional. Um, I love stories about immigrants, I guess because I am one twice over now. I just, I, I loved it. I loved this movie so much. I thought the entire story with the family and the boy trying to like make his own way and find his own identity and breaking a away from his heritage was just so fascinating to watch. I really loved the the artful way that they put like the titles onto the screen against buildings and stuff. Love that. And the music was perfect. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, it's not in my top 10. It's a little, it's like in the middle of all my movies for the most part, but this is the, the film that inspired me to go back to the story I'm writing. Like oh. this is an inspirational film. It is. It's an inspirational film. It totally is. You, you walk away Feeling ready to do something, to tackle something, to like take hold of your life. I'm, I'm giving you like the chef kiss. The mwah, <laughs> like a, it is. It's like mwah. it's it's a fantastic little film. Um, you're right. It, it went under a lot of people's radars. And I don't know why it should have because it, it's delightful. My number seven on my list is Little Women. Wow, that made it to your top ten. Made it to my top ten. Uh, so I... I'm very curious about this film because I want to know what this movie looks like without any nostalgia or knowing of the story ahead of watching this film. Well, I can tell you that because I've never I've never read or known anything about Little Women. I mean, I knew it existed, but it was not something that I ever wanted to read growing up. I just had no interest in olden days and a like a non-fantastical everyday story and i thought it was well executed and well acted and well produced and well directed but like i don't get it i guess i like it's just a movie it's nice that there are strong females i don't I, I don't really know why this movie or story exists or why it's so popular okay i i'm so glad you said that i'm so glad that you you kind of went in a little more blind than I did. I've I've seen uh both renditions of the film. I know all about the story. The um in the lead up to watching Little Women's or uh, before Little Women came out in theaters, I actually watched the 94 version. So all of these story beats are in my head. I know this story inside and out. 
If you don't know this story, the linear time jumping, they're not giving, I don't know, like everything felt nostalgic and giving me reveals. So I never stopped smiling through the film. I never stopped smiling until I was crying and then I was crying. But I think I only get there with the nostalgia I have for the film. Is like one version fully linear and this one with the time jumping is different or something? Everything is fully linear. This is the first time we've ever seen the time jumping in Little Women ever. Oh, I I like the time jumping. The film was expertly done. Like, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just don't know why I care about this story. For me in the 2019 zeitgeist of, you know, uh, strong women and... You know, what happens when you do take a woman seriously? Well, you get incredible literature. You get incredible artists. You get incredible people when you look at these women as people instead of, oh, you're just somebody to marry. Um, And I felt like, for me, this was the best version of Joe I'd ever seen. But put aside Joe, for me, this is the best version of Amy I have ever seen. I have always Hate it. Which one's Amy. Amy? Is Amy Florence Pugue? Florence Pugue. Yeah, she was great. She really added like, uh, she made her lovable. Yeah, 100%. I hate Amy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've visited little women in my life. I hate Amy, okay? I'm watching this going, holy crap, why is Greta Gerwig letting me love a character I've never liked? And it's because of Florence Pugue. And I don't know if I would have given her the Oscar nomination for this or for Midsummer, but man, she had a good year. Yeah, she had. And, and not only that, Fighting With My Family, she was amazing in that, too. Oh, I forgot about Fighting With My yeah. Family, which it's not on my list, but it's pretty, pretty close to the top 25. Like, it's an excellent film. It is an excellent film. It's also not on my list. Um, she had a great year. She's really great. Um, I was entertained all throughout this movie. Like, I was never bored. It has not stayed with me. And I guess may- maybe, like, I think women sh- should be taken seriously. Uh, I think they should. Still, like, a thing, I guess, is just so depressing that I don't even, like, I'm like... Th- We shouldn't need to be reminded of this anymore. (laughs) Number six. All right. Number six. I know it's not on your list. I know. I guarantee it's not on your list. You don't know. I know. I know. You don't know. I've seen this movie four, maybe even five times now, which, as you know, is rare because I mostly see movies once. Yeah. I saw it twice in theaters, which I don't even remember the last time I saw a movie more than once in a movie theater. And it I was better. I swear to God, if you say Rise of Skywalker, I am walking off this list. <laughs> no, it's not Rise of Skywalker. Um, it's Booksmart. Oh, my God. Booksmart is amazing. Booksmart is amazing. And it gets better and better the more you watch it. I just want to say this to people who maybe have only seen it once. It only gets better. It only gets funnier. I love this movie so much. Olivia Wilde is a fantastic director. Kat Denver is a fantastic actor. And Beanie Feldstein is a tour de force. I She's so fucking funny. She's so fucking funny. I mean, Jessica Williams, so fucking funny. It's just, I love this movie. I love this movie so much. Uh, Jason Sadiq is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> is when there he's driving the Uber and you have the awkwardness of the fact that your principal is driving your Uber and, and then they're watching porn and then he puts it in so they can listen to the, Oh my God is so good. And you know who else, <laughs> you know who else just like got me in this movie? Billy Lord, Billy Lord. Oh yes. Billy Lord. It's the magical party fairy who somehow is able to time jump into all the different parties and be there like before the girls get there. Oh, she was so good in this. She was magical. I've read that it's like the first movie that's had a gay lead where the fact that they're gay has nothing to do with anything. It just is, which is exactly how we treat straight people. And so the fact that Olivia Wilde was able to bring that out into the world, I think is brilliant. I just, I love this movie. 
All right, you are right. It was not on my list. Otherwise, I would have stopped you. But uh, but it is in my top 20, and it is like high high up there. And I have I've given it four out of five stars. I have sung this movie's praises. I I don't know why it's higher. I just liked other movies more. But uh, this is not by any means a bad film. It's a great, great film. And it will probably go down in like teen movie history as one of the best R-rated teen movies of all time. All right. Um, I'm going to give my number six. But just know up until this point, these are all the movies that will probably not make the top 10 (laughs) (laughs) that that we create together. But they're all fantastic films. I mean, maybe. I'm going to push for Booksmart to get in there and Knives Out. You don't know what my number six is. My six could maybe not be Knives Out and then it's in the top ten. All right. So my number six, you know, how do you make what happened in America in 2018 fun? Like, how do you how do you with everything that happened in 2018? How the hell do you make that a fun thing for anyone i don't even know what you're alluding to how this film was overlooked is bonkers lupita nyong'o delivers the score is outstanding it rivals that of psycho it is it's the best score of the year as far as i'm concerned and i am talking about jordan peele's us oh no put a pin in it Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We'll get back to that one. All right. We're going to slide into number five. We're now halfway through our list. Oh, yeah. We are cruising. I hope this is on your top 10 list. I have a feeling it's not. And not because the movie isn't great, but because you watched it in multiple sittings and not in a movie theater. But that movie is Parasite. Put a pin in it. Oh, what? Okay, okay. Put a pin in it. What's your number five? A small, quirky film by Taika Waititi. Oh, we're put a pin in Jojo it. Rabbit. Put a <laughs> pin in it. Now we're just cruising. No. <laughs> All right. Well, number what, four. And we're going to go to us. Jordan Peele's Perfect. Us is in my number four position, your number six position. Oh, my God. I just loved this movie so much (laughs) this is hands down the most relevant american film of the entire year it is basically about the election told in a way that is insane super scary as it showcases us spelled u-s it is about an unseen, vile, ugly, violent community that literally rises up to take back a country. I don't know that that I think that the community is like unseen and violent and vile because I think they are driven to do the, like kill all these people and all that. But like the whole time that they were underground, they weren't vile or violent or anything. They were like stuck. They were stuck and downtrodden. And then now they're like angry and taking back their life. But then they're angry and they feel they have a voice. But and then they can like rise up. The fact is that what they do when they rise up, yes, they kill all these people. But then then they take this peaceful stance and they hold each other's hands and do the hands across America thing. I mean, you can definitely look at it both ways. I, I definitely looked at it like, wow, this is very political. Um, it also could very well be a shadow of you kept a generation down for their entire lives. A, a group of people who never had any say in where they had to be forever. And then they finally were able to give given that opportunity. And of course, they were angry about the circumstances they were under for a long time. And you're right. Then they join and people look at them and go, what are they doing? Who are these people? These are very different people. Um, And they do the hands across America because they needed something to unify them. (coughs) Trump. (coughs) Trump. And in this case, it was 
Hands Across America because that was the only thing to identify these people with. The cause. The cause. I I love this movie. You're right. It's so uh it's I mean, it has so much, so many layers of meaning, so much history, American history. Um, Lupita Luongo's performance is stellar. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Like, she is just so good. How did she not get nominated for anything for this? Like, for nothing. It's insane. Elizabeth Moss too she surprised me a small role but like really like popped out I love this movie and what was funny when we finished watching it because there's all those bunny illusions and Blake and I like sat down and like talked about what do bunnies mean and like what is the significance of rabbits and when we got home that night there were because there's lots of bunnies in Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is like most cities like squirrels we have bunnies they're just everywhere and there was three rabbits literally right outside of our door as we were like pulling like coming in and i'm like ah the rabbits they're so scary (laughs) like they're freaky (laughs) these rabbits at this point (laughs) but let's uh you know like yeah okay so that's the big underlying message that i took away but this movie is fun yeah you laugh you're scared you laugh again it is a blast i think to be honest it's the elevated next step from his first movie get out um because get out is a smaller story this one is a much larger story and i also think this one uses much more symbolism and a lot more metaphor all throughout so i think this is like the evolution of get out and get out was i think my number one movie of the year so clearly jordan peele is like and his stuff that he makes is near and dear to my heart. All right, I'm so four on your list. Okay, my number four. I gotta, I gotta flip my notes. I gotta <laughs> flip my notes, and now we finally come to Knives Out. Yeah, you, you wanted to talk about it. Why don't you lead us in with it? Look, the script is so good. How surprised were you as we twisted and turned? I was like expecting. I've actually never seen the movie Clue, which I know I should, and I've heard great things about. But it's like it it lived in my mind like the best that any clue type movie could be. It was so much fun. The brilliance of Knives Out is what would happen if I invite you into a who done it and then twenty minutes in tell you who done it. What do you do then? In my opinion, you told me who done it, the fun is over. But no sir. No sir. <laughs> It ramps up the fun and it like in such a weird, crazy, chaotic way to me. I'm like, look, Rise of Skywalker did terrible, but Ryan Johnson's little film after he did Last Jedi surpassed all my expectations. I am so glad he did Knives Out instead of this abysmal freaking Star Wars sequel. I am so happy. Uh, oh, by the way, if you're listening, Rise of Skywalker is not going to be on my list. Sure. <laughs> I still have to see I'm it. I'm so happy that Ryan Johnson got his like his fuck you. I'm still awesome movie because he is. And he wrote it, too. He wrote, directed. I'm sure he had a hand in casting. Great cast. Great cast. Also, this movie was just so well written that. You like I said, normally you have this many stars. It's not a good movie. This was right. the exception to that rule because he and got the stars because they wanted to be in this movie. And the Twitterverse seems to be clamoring for a new movie with Daniel Craig in this bizarre detective role oh, over and over. I could. I think it would be a lot of fun to see. I him think again. it'd be a lot of fun. And I genuinely believe everybody should. If you're looking for a good time. This covers every base. Every base. Chris Evans in this movie, I just want to say, I know he's your favorite. He's like your man crush. Yes, he is. Like, I want to dislike him, but the more I see him do stuff, the more I got to respect and like this actor. He's great. He's great in this movie. How do you bounce off Captain America in Endgame and then jump into this little movie and I like you even more? (laughs) We are down to, well, holy crap. 
Do you have anything else to say about Knives Out before we go forward? No, just watch it. It is fun. Your number three. Wow, top three. Okay, I don't think this movie made your top ten, but I think you liked this movie. Britney runs a marathon. Loved this movie. Not in the top ten, but loved this movie. This movie really surprised me. We saw it in theaters, and it was kind of like on a lark. We just decided to go to the movie theater. And it was between that and watching Lion King. And I thought, I just don't know if I can see Lion King on the big screen. And I made the right decision. And it was so good. And it's like, it's another one of those movies that pumps you up and gets you excited to do something with your life. Like, take control, make changes. It's extremely uplifting. It's an uplifting, uplifting story. It's about this girl who is a millennial. And living a very supposedly fun life. And uh, she's overweight. She gets drunk a lot. She hangs out with her friends. And then her doctor basically says, you need to like change your life. And she decides to start a running group. Or starts running. And starting to run changes her life. By the end, she wants to do a marathon. And she finds, like, true friends and changes her whole life. And it's just, it's so great. It's great to watch. This is your second really inspiring film. Yeah. Yeah. It really is truly inspiring. The lead is, you're going to recognize her. You might not remember her name. Her name's Jillian Bell. But she is she's so, funny. so much fun to watch. She's so, she's like, anytime she's in a comedy, I'm like, yes, she's so good. <laughs> like, But this is a little bit more serious for her. And I'm so glad it pays off. Yeah. And she carries the movie really, really, really well. I just also need to call out the amazing performance by Utkarsh and Bootkar. He's so good. He's so fucking funny. The two of them are adorable. Like, who knew that he would be, like, so adorably, like, cute and romantic in this? Like, playing this, like, loser guy who, like, is house-sitting for these rich people, but, like, is actually just amazing and sweet and awesome. And he's so sure of himself, and he wants to he wants to make sure that Brittany is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, he's great. He, I love their relationship. It. I thought, ugh, is this going to be cliche? But no, they did it so well. Looking at your list, seeing it visually, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that my number three is something we're talking about later. It is Marriage Story. We can actually talk about Marriage Story now because your number three is my number two. Well, it's higher on your list, so why don't you lead us in? Honestly, I haven't seen a movie like this since the 90s like i feel like they stopped making movies like this in the 90s 20 years it's a quiet film and it is honest and heartbreaking at times but also funny like surprisingly yeah, funny. funny like yeah and you really care about both of them a lot but sometimes like i care about one more than the other like i found myself being on one person's side for some parts of the movie and then switching to the other person's side. And then by the end, I just care about both of them. And I realized, you know, people are flawed, but lovely and beautiful and everyone's doing their best. And, and she ties his shoe. <laughs> and it breaks me apart. Like, I cried more this year than I should have. But that shoe tie... I mean, there's only, like, one other shoe tie this year that, like, really pulled at my heartstrings. Oh, I cried during that two tie. But shoe tying this year. What is going on? Yeah, the, it's, you know, it was just great. Adam Driver, I thought, gave one of the most amazing performances. But when does he not give an amazing performance? He's possibly one of the best actors of our time. And I got to give it up for Scarlett because I, I thought she was incredible. I mean... I also don't know if this was her best of the year. We might get to that at another time. But I, I just I just genuinely love Scarlett Johansson. I think she had the biggest year out of any star, yeah. period. You do Endgame into Jojo Rabbit, which is admittedly weird and quirky and strange. But you pull it off, Scarlett. And then you deliver Marriage Story. And I'm like, where the fuck did you come from? Oh, she has come since she was like 
I don't know, like 17 when she started acting. Like since Lost in Translation, people have been talking about how talented of an actor she is. She's It's just like a given how good she is. It really is at this point. To me, she's like better than Meryl Streep good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That fight scene in this film was so chilling and also incredibly relatable. You know what I thought about while I was watching that fight scene? There was um, a movie oh, like a long time ago, like 10 years ago or something. I think it was called Revolutionary Road with Kate Winslet and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's the one. And I remember I saw that movie and people thought it was so good. And all I thought was, oh, this is actor watching talented actors show us how good they are at acting at no point disappearing into roles just like being like look at how great i can act right now um <laughs> that's right and and that was like the antithesis of this fight this fight actually felt like two people who were who like loved each other and hated each other and were like brought to their wits end and it felt very real and and small almost even though it was big do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like... I know exactly what you mean. Actually people feeling things, not like actors being acting. Also, as a married person, terrifying movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I never, ever get divorced. <laughs> I mean, this is fun because now I'm looking at your, your list and I know what your number one movie is. But let's talk about Parasite first at my number two spot nice. of the entire year. I cannot oh believe. Oh my God, Parasite. How did Parasite make it to your number two? You watched it of, of over two sittings, not in a movie theater. <laughs> so uh, so here's the story of what happened is that I came home from work. I had my plan. Nobody was coming home. I, was, I, I wanted to give it my undivided attention. So I sat down. I ate my dinner before I pressed play. I was like, nope, phone's off. This is it. Boom. Let's do this, Parasite. And I made it about 28 minutes in and I fell asleep and it totally messed with my entire rest of my week. Like not the movie, just falling asleep at six o'clock on a random Wednesday because I woke up at 930 and said, what the shit just happened? So I went, I woke up and I'm like, look, no, this is not, I have, I, it's not, it had nothing to do with the film, had everything to do with just me being an idiot and falling asleep. So I made a pot of coffee and I sat down and I pressed play. And my God, my God, man, it was amazing. There is no bad guy in this movie. It's true. Well, I don't know. I I kind of felt like the old um, housekeeper was the bad guy. But even the old housekeeper was just trying to do I, I mean if there's any bad guy it's poverty and the yes. social constraints it puts on poor people 100 percent do desperate things yeah and that's the thing is like you there there's so much you understand about that lady but yeah i i couldn't i couldn't get behind her i couldn't get behind a lot of things but you're right like the real the real bad guy is poverty absolutely it, it's what what wouldn't you do for your family or someone you loved? Really, that's like the rich people too. They're just trying to do exactly what they feel they have to do for their family. And they're on another bracket. So, you know, look, I know it sounds rude when they're saying like, yeah, he smells. But people have those conversations. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah, you don't deserve Spouses to... Can we, do we say, do we have, like, are we spoiling this or no, we're not? Oh, I mean, like, it ends up being, look, every one of the people in this movie pays for what society has done to the class system in this country, in specifically South Korea, because that's where the, this is. Yeah. Everybody in this film pays a lofty price, but everything that is gained out of it, it doesn't. It comes out of wanting a better life. And that's why the ending is perfect. Interesting. I That's why it's not higher on my list. I didn't love the ending. There are, There's an, like a couple aspects to it that just bothered me so much that it dropped. 
Uh, we, uh, yeah, and we don't want to spoil necessarily. Yeah, like um, I don't even I'll know. I, like I don't know ending. that I can even talk about what it is I don't like about the ending without spoiling it. Um, except I can probably say this: there is a voiceover, and there's not a voiceover any other time in the film until the end. Nope. Yep. And I did not like that. And that was something that, to me, I was like. This is weird. Why is this happening now? And then the ending happened. And I'm like, oh, oh, that, oh, that wasn't a thing. Like that, to me, it was like, that was not a thing. It definitely was not like, a thing. Like that did not happen. It That's definitely didn't happen. That was. Idea, and it was the best way, I guess, for Boon Jun Ho, Ho to convey that idea well, okay. in some way. I'm going to I'm going to say these things cuz it's like, you know, like spoilers without context it doesn't mean anything. Um right. The letters, reading letters was okay with me. I didn't find yeah, that me too. to be a voiceover, but there's also like a voiceover that leads into letters. Yep. Hated that. I didn't know it was his story, so when we get his voiceover I'm like, "Oh, it's it's his story?" What do you and mean you when, didn't know it's his story? Of course it's his story. No, that specific kid. Yeah. I thought it was the whole family. Like, I was just following the whole family. No, he was, it was his story. I still like it. I still really like <laughs> it. Um, you know, this idea of the ghosts of the people who we've kind of walked away from or left behind and how they can manifest into fear and actual ghosts. Um. I thought was awesome. You know, it's sad. It's incredibly likable. I like all the characters in this film. I think that's the, the, the thing that blew me away where other thrillers don't succeed. You know, like a, like a film like Midsummer, which don't get me wrong, I think is excellent. You're, there's nobody really you're rooting for. You're just experiencing what is happening to these people. Well, here it's like, I like all of you. I don't want anything bad to happen. It's funny. I liked I liked the the main character, uh Woo Sik Choi, I believe is his name. Uh he was delightful and I liked his sister, oh, Yu Jongjo. She's amazing. Um but I was less the like the dad who is a super super famous Korean actor, Kang Ho Song. Um also, I apologize for my horrible pronunciations. Um, he's been in so many Korean movies. Like, I feel like you've seen him before. And he's amazing in this role. Like, he's such a – he's so good. But I didn't like him, you know? Like, I didn't – I wasn't like, oh, yay, he's, like, great. So he always felt dangerous to me, the entire movie. The whole movie, from the moment I met him, I was like, oh, you have been – affected by poverty to this level that I don't know what's going on in your mind anymore from the like very none beginning of them can be trusted. Yeah. But like the brother and sister, they're young, right? So they have this innocence. So it's very, you become, you kind of fall in love with them very quickly. And you know that eventually they're going to be like their parents, but they haven't been broken yet. Right. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and the nuance of that, even right, like you have this family. Yeah, with, you're gonna become your parent. You are gonna, yeah, you're gonna become just as mentally unstable as your parents, and it's not your fault; it's your circumstance. I loved it. I love that film. I love. Uh, I I bought it after I watched it's it. It's beautiful like, too, yep, huh? Nope, buying. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's so well crafted. Um, it's up for best picture. I genuinely have no idea what best picture is happening this year. Like it could go to 1917. It could go to Parasite. It could fucking go to Joker, which if you're following along is not on Ivana's list. No, <laughs> we'll get there. We haven't finished with Parasite. I think we're wrapping up, though. I will admit this. This movie is great. I'm so happy it's your number two. It has no chance of winning best picture for sure. It's going to win best foreign picture. I think it could win director. It it could win director. But I also think Sam Mendes is primed to win best director. Me too. Oh, by the way, 
Jumping back to my number eight seed of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino has no chance, if you're filling out your ballot today, of winning Best Director. Of course not. How can he win? No oh, chance. No just chance. Just so you know. He just got like appreciation nominations. That's right. Yeah, exactly. We we liked your thing that you did, but you know, you're not winning. No. <laughs> if you've been keeping track at home, Ivana has Jojo Rabbit in her number one spot. A a war movie in her number one spot. I was as surprised as you that a war movie made it to my number one spot. I remember when I learned about Jojo Rabbit and I was like, ugh, a war movie. I don't want to see this. <laughs> like, But then it's not like a regular more war movie at all. No, no, it's uh, it is a xenophobic movie. Sure. And but like. Like, it's not like, it's the antithesis of 1917. I'm not watching two soldiers that could be anyone, you know, go on this mission. I'm I'm watching a personal story about why war is so horrible and how the best thing that you can do is just remember that humanity, remember... That we all have souls, that we're all people, that we're not these like... Love is the most important thing in the world. Thank you, Scarlett. And and so, and it's, and it's kind of beautiful and it's funny and also heartbreaking. And that shoe scene, oh. I watched it in movie theaters and there were like multiple people who when that shoe scene happens literally just cried out at the movie like in the movie theater like oh my god no like oh like it just broke my heart and then at the end i was crying so much which was just awful because then i had to leave a movie theater (laughs) all like blotchy and red i hate crying in the movie theater britney runs a marathon made me cry in the movie theater i just ugh, stupid movies (laughs) making me Uh, feel things film is so weirdly wonderful like I could not stop thinking about it after I saw it and how how Taika Waititi straddles the humor and the horror. Uh, you know, these shifts in tone should not work, but I love them. Like, I love them. And I think it's because these jarring shifts are what is necessary to to defeat the xenophobia. I mean, if you haven't heard of Jojo Rabbit, he is a 10-year-old Nazi. Yeah, like a devoted Nazi. And his he mother... cannot get past his nationalism. And, and his mother is secretly working against the Nazis. And he has no idea. That's right. And But as any 10-year-old who wants to join a club with a bunch of people and wear some costumes and shout, you know, Jews are evil, which is... I mean, I hope nobody ever finds this and then takes that out of context and it's like, Jay Kennedy said this. I did not say that. No, definitely um, you did not say that. <laughs> it's a strange thing. And I think I know I've seen a lot of Twitter co- uh, online that it's uh, you're nervous because it's about you might be on the fence because his his imaginary friend is Hitler. Oh, my God. Best Hitler just, of all just time. Just know that. Um, this is actually his nationalism manifested in some sort of physical form. And of course it would be Hitler at that time. Um, and it does have a incredible payoff. So if you're at all like worried or on the fence about that, you don't need to be. Taika Watiti is my favorite Hitler that I've ever seen in any movie. It, it, the first 10 minutes of this film, not even 10 minutes, the first five minutes of the film, I could not stop laughing. And I think that's part of it is like, this is not Hitler, the um, like Hitler. This is a 10 year old boy's imaginary friend manifesting as Hitler because he's a, a small Nazi and he thinks Hitler is great the way that someone might think that. American like uh, Superman is great or like Captain America or whatever. 
Uh, can we talk about how great Sam Rockwell and Rebel Wilson in, are in yes! this Yes! Yes! Can we talk about that? Because Sam Rockwell, oh, like, I Sam just... Sam Rockwell is... He may not have been kicked out of the war for his losing an eye. He may have been kicked out of the war for being gay. I love that scene when I... I didn't know he was gay until the scene where you're like, oh, he's gay. <laughs> like, oh, 100% he's gay. <laughs> and did you know right away or did... No, 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 no. no I okay. didn't find out until later. Yeah, there's this scene where you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you do not fit in with the Nazi regime, sir. Yeah, I, I imagine Nazis, I mean, they're against everything. Of course they would be against everything. I love that scene because when you see him and his like his love and they just they have this chemistry and you're just like, oh, Sam Rockwell. And then when Sam Rockwell um stops in at the house when the Nazi hunter people come. That was one of the most scary scenes ever, ever. Really, really tense. And also moments of funny, but also really, really tense. And when you realize that you don't have to hate Sam Rockwell, I, it was just like a beautiful turn of character. I, man, I, I honestly, I'm so glad you loved it this much. There is actual war elements. The ending is terrifying. Yeah, the ending is a full-on war scene, but it's different than other movies because, like... There's 10-year-olds running around with rocket launchers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, there's an absurdity to it, which yes, it makes is you realize how absurd war is, like... Like, why do humans think that it's a good idea to kill other humans at all? Why do humans even want to fight for these weird, obtuse things that some leader who is not on the front lines has sent you off to fight for? Like, and you're aware of it. And then the 10 year olds and and then there's like, I don't know, there's there's, as you said, there's a juxtaposition between the absurdity and the comedy and the painful reality and Taika Waititi in the movies that I've seen him do. That's what he excels in. He brings heart and he brings true human emotions and then adds comedy and it just like melts my heart. Uh, Becky watched this film on the plane on the way home and I was like, that's probably a weird, weird way to watch this movie. Yeah. She got off the plane and was like, that was incredible. Texting me and I'm like, the shoes? And she's like, <gasps> The shoes. Oh, the shoes. <laughs> God, Honestly, I like uh, ball. Go watch the movie. Can I just say one thing about this movie that was it's maybe your one of my one? Of course you can. One of my favorite things: <laughs> the two little boys and their friendship. Oh my gosh, they're adorable. And their hugs. And the best hug of all was when they were both in their like um, robots, <laughs> like dressed as robots. Picking up metal to be like <laughs> donated to become like, I don't know, uh, weapons. And they see each other and then they hug and they're in these giant cardboard robot costumes. And it just made me like smile so much. Their friendship was so pure. Um, I just, it was so beautiful. So beautiful. I also want to just jump on here with one last point. You're going to hear a lot about Jojo Rabbit. You're going to hear about Taika. You're going to hear about Scarlett a lot. Maybe a little bit Sam Rockwell. There's an actress in this film you're not going to hear a lot about, and that's Thomas and Mackenzie. Oh, so and good. she was in Leave No Trace, and she is dynamite. She is dynamite. She's like um, an Anne Frank kind of type character. That is basically like, yeah, she's, she's an Anne Frank character, and... She is a powerhouse. It's she's she was so you know what I think I love the most about her in this movie and her character. She's so strong, you know, like she's not a victim at any point. Honestly, she is a survivor for a reason. And the letters. Oh, my God. The letters that he writes her are so and good. She knows that her. Oh, God. I, honestly, I can't even I can't go back down this rabbit hole. Literally <laughs> Jojo rabbit hole. I can't do it. It's so good. It's so it good. It shouldn't work. And it does. And I don't think it has a chance of winning Best Picture, but I think this film should win Best Picture. 
well, it has a better chance than my number one. <laughs> What's your number one? My number one was completely ignored by the Academy. Uh, it is a film that I don't know if you saw, Ivana. I think you might have. Uh, it, it was on a lot of best ofs. And it came out in the summer and it's called The Farewell. You know, I didn't see The Farewell. It seemed like homework and I didn't watch it. Tell me about this movie. So it's been about 10 years uh, since I have felt viscerally punched in the feels. And the last time was Black Swan. Mm-hmm. This film, I ugly cried for five minutes over the kitchen sink after it ended. Wow. And Becky had to console me. Like wow. she had to come over and hug me. Now, I don't think everybody's going to have that visceral reaction. Did she cry? I... Pardon me? Did she cry too? Becky did not watch it. She did not know what was going on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I was convulsing and she probably thought, "Are you sick?" <laughs> It reminded me of my grandparents, and I didn't get a lot of time with them. Um, not as much as I should have put in, I think. Becky's grandmother's still alive, and I, I'm very lucky to be able to spend time with her. And over the years of, of dating Becky and now being married to her and having this be a part of my family, it's something that I didn't know I missed, and watching this film reaffirmed all of that. And I just thought of my grandparents at the end. I was smiling at the end of the film. Don't get me wrong. I was smiling at the end of this film. And yet I broke down crying because of like how sad I was for me. I don't know what happened. It's a really important film to see because it talks about a culture that is different than our own and understanding that even though different is sometimes messy and we don't always get along, it is also beautiful. It is about a, a, a group of immigrant Chinese people who live in the States who find out that uh, the, the main character, Aquafina's character, her grandmother is dying of lung cancer and they don't have much time. So they organize a fake wedding for Aquafina's cousin who has been dating his girlfriend for three months so they can get everybody there to be around her in case she goes. And the idea of this Chinese culture, and I don't know, uh, I, I had no idea this was even a thing, is that the, the knowing you have less time to live is what kills you faster than the cancer that you have. It is full of humor, but it's also full of sadness and it's beautiful in both. And I just feel like, you know, damn the Oscars. You didn't give it best picture. You didn't give it Aquafina. You didn't give it script. You gave it barely anything. And I, and I feel like this is the first year I look at the Oscars very differently. I don't care what wins. I feel like it's all bullshit and everybody's going to get an award somehow. I think the Oscars job is to show us that there are amazing films. And as you can see from our list, we saw a lot of them. We did. That's the job of the Oscars. And that's like my point blank. And I feel like more people could have been reached with the farewell than it was. And that's, you are right. It was on a lot of best lists. It just, all the images of it made me think it looked so sad. It is both. I mean, it's not funny Jojo Rabbit funny. That is just wonderful. But it is a very soft, introspective film about family. It's a true story. Um, and I just really, really loved every minute I got to spend with that. Don't know how often I'm going to go back to it, but it is my number one of the year, so I bought it. But I, I really was moved by the time I spent with the film. Well, it sounds beautiful. And my guess is it's not getting Oscars because it doesn't have the money to do an Oscar campaign. Exactly. So the Oscars to me, sham 
<laughs> but also, thank you for letting us know about movies like Jojo Rabbit and Parasite and, uh, you know, Marriage Story and Little Women and all these other movies that have been nominated this year that we got to watch because we do this every year. Yep. They weren't all winners. Joker is not a winner. If no. it wins, you will just be proving to the world you are full of shit. I definitely watched it, and it was a different superhero movie, but, like, I don't know that I'd say it was, like, worth the hype. I just think it's too mean-spirited, and it it doesn't mimic a reality we understand, and I think that it shows a character who we shouldn't like and tries a little bit to to get anyone who would be okay with this on board to like him. But I think it has some missteps from like films that actually did it right, like Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, which it's trying to mimic. It's just another Scorsese wannabe trying to do Scorsese stuff. And the shoehorning in of Batman references is insanely stupid. Yeah. All right. So it's we've that got time. our work cut out for us. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, we got this list. We are going to reveal it to you right now. Let's do this. Number 10, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number nine, Little Women. Number eight, Book Smart. Number seven, Britney Runs a Marathon. Number six, Us. Number five, Knives Out. Number four, The Farewell. Number three, Jojo Rabbit. Number two, Parasite. And the number one best movie of 2019, Marriage Story. Excellent, because Marriage Story was my number one for a good long time. Like yeah, it was my months, number one for a while. Number uh, Like two months of Marriage Story being number one. Yeah, me too, actually. Well, maybe one, one month. I had a very hard year of moving stuff around. Like, I had the two popes at one time was in my top one spot. What? I had, I had Alita Battle Angel in the number one spot. The Irishman wasn't on our list, on either list. It was in my number four spot for a minute. I never had it in the top ten. Us was in my number one spot for a very long time. What's, uh, what's at the very bottom of your list of tracking this year that... There are things on the very bottom of my list that I'm just embarrassed I watched at all. Tall Girl, which was like a really shitty Netflix teen rom-com. How about Isn't It Romantic? Oh, that's second worst on my list. <laughs> I am so excited. I removed everything from my watch list that wasn't from 2019 so that I could have a clear path of focus. So now the I'm going to watch Ready or Not this weekend. A hundred percent. So fun. You're going to really enjoy that movie. I think I will. And then I am going to have a clear watch list. And like at some point I'll watch Pain and Glory. No big deal. I'll get to it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we're going to be back again soon with an all new episode. Well, like an old episode, but that's a new episode for you guys. It's new to you. <laughs> we encourage you to check out our show notes for information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Catch us on our website, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back after a short break of resting our eyes after watching all these movies. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>